Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Love of Speed Formula One podcast series. I'm Thomas Pillsborough, joined, as always, by the one and only Connor Farmer. Connor, it was the final race of an incredible 2021 season. How are you feeling after the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix? How's it going, Tom? I am feeling uh, just a bit overwhelmed. I mean, holy moly, it was an incredible day. It's been, obviously, uh, a season to remember. Uh, you know, one for the ages for sure. Uh, I, I loved how it all played out. I thought it was an incredible season, a great race weekend, and uh, it definitely was uh, nothing shy of uh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. This this whole season has just been absolutely brilliant. The final race, um, we'll get into that in just a moment here. Um, but yeah, I mean, just what what an absolutely incredible 2021 season. I don't think we're ever going to see a season like it ever again, where the championship is tied going into the final race and all of these variables. I really think that we just witnessed history this past weekend. Our race results are as follows. Max Verstappen takes the win and the fastest lap of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, followed closely by Lewis Hamilton. Carlos Sainz sneaks it into P3 and finishes on the podium after a very strong debut season with Ferrari. The two Alpha Tauris in the order of Yuki Tsunoda and Pierre Gasly take P4 and P5. And Valtteri Bottas in his final race for Mercedes takes P6. It was Lando Norris who had an early puncture in the race, kind of threw his race around a little bit, who takes it home in P7. Still gets points after a pretty shaky, you know, a little rough second half to the season. Following him into are the two Alpines, Fernando Alonso and Esteban Ocon. And wrapping up our points is Charles Leclerc. Our championship standings. As we knew coming into this this weekend, it was tied coming into the race. It, everybody knew winner takes all. I mean, it was just un, absolutely unbelievable. And it is official. Championship winner. Of the 2021 Formula One season, after 22 races, 18 podiums, 10 race wins, 8 P2 finishes, 10 pole positions, 6 fastest laps, and an average finishing position of 1.862, Max Verstappen is the champion of the 2021 Formula One season. <laughs> what a brilliant season it was for Max. I mean, it was just... Uh... At every single turn, he was outstanding. He was he was on just just legendary form. It seemed out there. He 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 time and time again uh, showed us why he is absolutely one of the you know the very very top drivers uh, in this sport. And he uh, you know winning his first championship. I mean, he he's set to have a a monumental career if he can keep up this pace again. Being as young as he is, I, I mean, he's he's not only a, a seasoned veteran at this point in this sport, but he has still so much time left to absolutely uh, dominate in this, uh, you know, Formula One realm for sure. Just the fourth driver under the age of 25 to win a world title said anything that comes next is just a bonus. How about some more Super Max in the background for Max Verstappen, our 2021 champion of the world. Connor, how are the rest of our championship standings looking? So, as the final standings for the driver's standings, we had Supermax winning the championship, coming in first. Behind him was Sir Lewis. In third place, we had Valtteri Bottas. In fourth place, we had Checo, who had a pretty strong beginning season there with Red Bull. I think he definitely uh, performed just about as good as anybody could have wanted him to. Uh, we have, after him in P5 in the standings, Carlos Sainz, 
who again had just a phenomenal uh, debut season for that Ferrari outfit. Behind him, we have Lando Norris for McLaren. We have behind him in P7, Charles Leclerc. Behind him is Daniel Ricciardo in his debut season for McLaren. In P9, we have Pierre Gasly. And rounding out the top 10 for the driver standings was Fernando Alonso. I really just couldn't help myself from just blasting Supermax while announcing Max Verstappen <laughs> as the champion. I mean, I you know, if you're listening to the podcast before, you know it's no secret I'm a big Max Verstappen fan. I mean, I it was just an unbelievable 2021 season um, from Max, from Red Bull. It's just, it's now just what's to come next. It, it's just absolutely unbelievable. Mercedes wins the Constructors' Championship. Um, what could have happened if Sergio Perez didn't get a retirement in the race? But I mean, just what an absolutely unreal season with so many story points and so many, so many storylines to go through. Uh, Connor, we're going to get into the championship fight that was between Verstappen and Hamilton throughout the race. But, I, you know, I think I think we've all kind of forgotten there were 20 cars on the grid. Well, technically 19. Nikita Mazepin did not take part in the Abu Dhabi after testing positive for COVID, actually, of all things. Um, so, you know, what else happened in the race? Uh, yeah. So uh, overall, we, we still did have uh, a pretty competitive race from the remaining uh, drivers on the grid there. Um, as we all know, it was the final race of Kimi Raikkonen's career. Um, an absolute legend, I, I think we can all say in this sport, uh, had a, a very, very, you know, at least to us, uh, a disappointing end to his race where he uh, didn't even get to see the finish. After dealing with an issue with the wheel, he had to enter the garage and retire from the race. Uh, but this didn't seem like it really had too much of an effect on the fin, uh, as he, as usual, gave a, a brilliant answer, really saying, you know, the end result doesn't matter. Uh, it's the end now, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, so I, I really think it just it sums up who Kimi was as a uh, as a driver and as a personality in F1 for so many years. Uh, he leaves Formula One with one world championship, 21 wins, 103 podiums, and 18 pole positions. Um, I, I definitely think, you know, he, he is uh, a once-in-a-lifetime type of personality in this sport, and uh, he will definitely be missed. Tom, uh, overall, looking back at Kimi's career, how, how did you like, uh, you know, just, just everything that Kimi brought into this sport? Oh, Kimi is such a legend. We're, we're never going to have another like Kimi Raikkonen in this sport. Um, the thing about Kimi Raikkonen is no matter what was going on, well, I guess I, you shouldn't say, you know, no matter what was going on, he was always cool headed because he did have a couple of outbursts of anger. I mean, as anybody would, you know, driving in Formula One. But what we saw in Kimi Raikkonen is just the pure will of, I still enjoy this. I still love this. And I'm still going to keep doing this. I mean, the longest Formula One career of any driver, the most experienced driver on the grid. He won a championship with Ferrari. He's actually still the last Ferrari driver um, to win the driver's championship. So uh, put that a little bit into perspective as to how long he has been in this sport. I mean, this man has gone through at least three different regulations changed. He's, he's raced for nearly half the teams in the paddock. It's just, we're never going to see another Kimi Raikkonen. He'll be dearly missed in the Formula One paddock, but we're also looking forward to see him sort of get onto a bit more of a normal life, which we all know is really what he wants. I mean, I, I don't remember if it was Will Buxton that he was in the interview with, or it was a reporter and he had said, you know, is this the last time that we're going to see you? And he said, yes. And they were like, well, what if we moved formula one to Finland? Would you come out then? And he said, no. 
in <laughs> that's just the thing about Kimmy Raikkonen. Just, You're lucky just typical you... Kimmy there. I mean, yeah. any better than that. Yeah. The king of one word answers. He'll be missed. Absolutely. Uh, further on in the race and uh, elsewhere, we had a very impressive uh, podium finish for Carlos Sainz, who uh, finished P3. Uh, having scored in the final 15 Grand Prix of the season, which uh, I think that's really, it just goes to show how good of a season he really had for uh, Ferrari this year. Uh, that result lifted him into that fifth final spot for the driver standings, which was his highest ever finish in the uh, driver standings. Uh, I think it really just goes to show he, he, he had a, a brilliant year. Uh, he really helped Ferrari in that battle against McLaren to really push them you know, back into that, that competitive spot and to, to help them uh, secure that third spot in the constructors. Uh, Tom, how do you, how do you kind of view how Carlos did this year? And, and do you think Ferrari's really got uh, a good lock in terms of their, their driver lineup for years to come? I think of all of the drivers that either switched teams or were rookies coming into the sport. um, I think Carlos signs is the driver that stands out as the best driver that adapted to a new team. And it changes absolutely everything with Ferrari. Because as we know, Charles Leclerc currently has the longest contract in Ferrari history. He signed through 2024 on a five-year deal. But Carlos Sainz beat him this season. He finished ahead of him in the championship standings. He, I, I mean, this changes a lot with Ferrari now. A lot of people, when they signed Carlos Sainz, they kind of thought, oh, he's just a seat warmer while... Schumacher is getting warmed up at Haas and, you know, maybe we'll see him move over to Alfa Romeo before coming up to the, to the big team. But now that we've seen what Carlos Sainz can do in a Ferrari, I mean, it changes everything. There is definitely, they said before the season that there was no number one driver at Ferrari. I think this brings it up even more that, okay, there's definitely not a number one driver at Ferrari now. Yeah, without a doubt. And I I think, uh, you know, a, a lot of us don't really uh, factor in the fact that Carlos is still relatively young for his uh, for his position and, and for the way that he's been performing. So definitely a uh, a great problem to have over there at Ferrari um, and uh, definitely something that I think that they will build on for the uh, years to come. Uh, elsewhere, uh, in a little bit bigger of news, Alpha Tauri had a superb day in terms of their overall performance in this Grand Prix. They saw both of their drivers finishing in the top 10 uh, Yuki Sonoda with his best ever finish slotting in at P4 followed by his teammate Pierre Gasly in P5 uh, just an overall great day from AlphaTauri I, I think that they they weren't really expecting these results but they were able to kind of just put themselves in the right spot at the right time and uh, I think it was a, a very impressive overall day especially from yuki uh tom looking at how the alpha Tauris performed how did you like their performances was there anything that you uh you know really saw as a bright spot for them going forward into this next season well a bright spot looking forward going into the next season is i hope that we see more of this from alpha tower they had a superb day and when we look at the the strategy that the team ran with them on terms of yuki sonoda they ran him starting on the medium until just after lap 20 where they then put him over uh, to the hard compound tire, planning for a one-stop. Now, n- planning for a one-stop was just absolutely, I mean, in my opinion, you sh- you couldn't have really pulled off a one-stop at this track, but 
others will say, well, you could have pulled off a, a one stop at this track. Look at this driver's pace and this driver's pace. And they wouldn't be wrong. But personally, I think a two stop was the way to go this uh, weekend. But so when we look at Yuki Sonoda's strategy, it was the mediums to the hards. And then they pit him for the soft tire at the end with the lap 53 safety car, which we will definitely talk a lot about that lap 53 safety car. Don't worry. We're going to get to it. We're going to cover everything that happened with Verstappen and Hamilton and that, and you know, everything regarding that. Now, when we look at Pierre Gasly's side of the garage, started the race on the hard compound tire and went well long into the race. Actually about lap 35 or so is when they finally brought him into pit for the medium tire. Also planning on the one stop. Now what they did by running these extended and a bit more aggressive one stop strategies was they were really just trying to cover off any chance of somebody undercutting them, overcutting them. They basically played the strategic game as much as possible. And it was a very, very smart you know, procedure. And it was a very smart race from AlphaTauri. So bright spot is if you get the strategy right, you get the drivers in the right positions, you give them a car that they're quick on. Because if we look at the AlphaTauri's throughout the weekend, especially on the Yuki Sonoda side, he had his, arguably his greatest weekend in Formula 1 so far, his best finish so far in P4. Um, it shows that when the, the cards are right, these drivers and this team can execute on that. Yeah, without a doubt, it was a uh, a a race weekend to remember for this AlphaTauri team. And uh, no better way to end the season for them, really, than to both drivers in the top five. I think it's definitely a massive bright spot for them going forward. So uh, we definitely look uh, looking forward to see what they can do uh, next season and how uh, these drivers will both develop and continue to push and move forward. Uh, elsewhere, before we get into the biggest news of the day, uh, we had McLaren really ending what was, I think we could say, a, a rough season. Uh, that ended with just a, a, a rough day. Uh, they've seen it time and time again this season. Uh, Lando Norris having some some bad luck, as it seems like he's really run into quite a lot this season, uh, having a puncture that saw him have to drop back and have a lesser lesser of a finish than what we thought he would have possibly been capable of. And uh, Daniel Ricciardo failing to score points for uh, the fourth time in five races. So it, it definitely just... It was not McLaren's day. It seems like it has not been uh, arguably their season. Um, it sees them finishing in the constructors a place lower than they did last year, finishing behind Ferrari, and really, uh, when it mattered most at the end of the season, really not being able to put up a fight against the Ferrari team there. So overall, Tom, uh, you know, what, what do you think McLaren may have to do in order to, to really just regain that competitiveness and 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 push for that third spot again, if not higher. What an unlucky second half of the season for McLaren. Um, they, they started off the year so strong too. Lando Norris driving beautifully. Daniel Ricciardo took a little while longer to come up to terms with the car, but around the, the, the middle of the season, right around the summer break and, and thereafter McLaren were just on form. And we thought if they can continue this form, they'll, they'll well secure P3 in the championship and then some, and, Every weekend, it just seemed like something went wrong for McLaren, and then it just seemed like they were lacking pace and lacking pace. Now, I didn't really keep up too much on today as to how many power units it was McLaren went through, because as we know now, they have the Mercedes power unit in their car, and that is a power unit that tends to degrade pretty quickly, um, tends to drop off the pace. We saw them not get the package and the setup right on the car a lot, but I think a lot of it just had to do with degradation on the power unit. 
um, on the energy store, on the MGU components, and just the string of bad luck, punctures and and faults with the car and Danny Ricardo getting low fuel warnings on lap one. And I mean, it, if it could have gone wrong for McLaren in the second half of the season, it did. Without a doubt, just uh, it, it seemed like they uh, when it rained, it poured for them and it was definitely a very, very difficult end to their season. Uh, to round things up here, we will go over the constructors top 10 standing uh, before we get into that obvious championship battle that we all know everyone is just just still left in all over uh, in the constructors. We saw Mercedes win their eighth straight constructors championship uh, with just another superb season i mean it was definitely one that was uh a lot more closely contested than years past with red bull really being on form this year and really finally giving them uh some some something to be nervous about so to speak uh we saw red bull racing finish in p2 in the constructors followed by ferrari mclaren in p4 alpine with a pretty impressive first season uh definitely finished i think uh, a little bit higher than what some you know people would have imagined that they would have done in that first season. Uh, we have AlphaTauri in P6, Aston Martin with a fairly disappointing season, finishing P7 in the Constructors, followed up by a Williams team in P8, Alfa Romeo in P9, and the always competitive Haas in P10. Tom, we need to stop calling them the always competitive Haas F1. I mean, we're the, we're the Americans, so we can roast our own team. But, listen, my we, God, Haas we, F1, you didn't score a single point. We love them dearly, and we want them to succeed more, honestly, than than most of our the other teams here. And, and it's just – it is definitely painful to watch every single time that they go out. So, we are hoping for better things as we go on into these, you know, new regulations, new seasons, great young drivers. But – we really, we, we need you, Haas. We really do. I mean, they're the hometown team, especially for me. Like, <laughs> I live in North Carolina. Haas F1 team is based out of North Carolina. Like, they're the homies. You need to do good, but <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> Moving on, anyway. As we, uh, as we move on, we are going to get into the, the real meat and bones of what was a historic ending to this unbelievable season. Tom, take us through it. Let's get right into this championship uh, fight that we saw on Sunday. Well, before we get too much into the race, the, the thing that kind of was going to stand out this weekend was how are the second drivers of the team, being Sergio Perez and Valtteri Bottas, how are they going to have an effect on the outcome of the drivers' championship? Because as we know, Perez and Bottas, they were a long way off of even being anywhere near the championship fight between their teammates for Stappen and Hamilton. So, Connor, maybe a bit of a rhetorical, or maybe not rhetorical is the best terminology, maybe not the, the smartest question, but who do you think was the more important teammate to have this weekend? I, I, I honestly... look at Looking at their performance, I mean. Looking at their performances, I, I mean... Uh, you have to say it, it easily was was Perez in terms of his importance to Max. Um, I think that without a doubt, he he showed that not only is he an incredible F1 driver and he can you know easily compete for a, a race win any day, but he is, I mean, just top notch when it comes to being a true teammate. Um, he did quite possibly everything he could to help Max Verstappen in his fight against Lewis. 
compared to Valtteri Bottas, who who had quite possibly one of his worst race weekends I think we've seen out of him almost all season. Um, he was an absolute non-factor in terms of giving Lewis really any help uh, in his championship fight on, on what was the most important day, really, for him to be uh, that top-notch teammate that we, you know, so needed him to be in terms of uh, in terms of Mercedes and what they expected out of him. So I, I definitely, you know, you have to give the nod to, to Perez and uh, he just, he was phenomenal for that Red Bull team and for, for Max Verstappen. For a weekend that was so, so, so important to be there for your teammate, be there for your team, put in the greatest effort in your last race with Mercedes, Valtteri Bottas was getting passed by the Alpha Tauris, um, got stuck behind the Ferraris. I mean, he was just nowhere. The, the only help that Valtteri Bottas really was in terms of the race was he gave Lewis Hamilton a pat on the back before the race and said, hey, you can do this, Lewis. Like, that's great, Valtteri. Go back to P6. Like, I, it, he was just nowhere. It was like he was driving, you know, he was like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, head on over to Alfa Romeo now. It was just uh, not not really the best weekend to, to have that as your um as your teammate, but yeah, definitely uh, not, not the finale that Lewis wanted him to have. And uh, definitely not the finale that uh, Mercedes and Mercedes fan base did, you know, absolutely uh, wanted to see Valtteri just give up a little bit more of a fight. You know, it's, it's, it's very hard to, uh, to stop the conspiracy theorists when you have Yuki Sonoda flying past you in an Alpha Tauri outfit and uh, you are sitting in a W12 of, you know, Mercedes. So it's, it, uh, will definitely spark some speculations. I'm sure as we, uh, we all know that we'd love to uh, speculate on, you know, maybe, uh, maybe Valtteri just said, you know what, Lewis, good luck. I'm going to Alpha Tower or I'm going to uh, Alpha Romeo, excuse me. And uh, you know, this is, uh, this is on you. So yeah, yeah it was like, uh, he said, where's Guan Yu Zhou? We need to just go already. <laughs> definitely <laughs> a, a, a tough ending to what was really, I mean, a, a superb and uh, an impressive season overall by Valtteri, but Definitely uh, one of those uh, head-scratching days for him, for sure. I, I almost think like the best way to summarize Valtteri Bottas's day with Mercedes in his, in his last race was after the race and like everything is going so crazy, which we will get into. I'm not going to spoil anything in this episode, which I'm sure if you're <laughs> listening to this episode, you watched the race already. But, you know, after the after the race, when all of Mercedes is going to the stewards room and, and Valtteri Bottas is doing the cannonball into the harbor, I think that kind of summarizes it pretty well. But oh, without a doubt. <laughs> um, moving on from it though, um, we'll get into the race now. We'll get into the the duel in the desert that we saw in Abu Dhabi. So, Connor, with this extraordinary, extraordinary race that we're about to get through, I think we should just start right from the start of the race. Do you? Absolutely. All right. So, on the front row, it was Max Verstappen on pole position from Lewis Hamilton. Verstappen on the soft tire, Hamilton on the medium. Lewis Hamilton got a phenomenal start to the race. I mean, just blitz it on the line. He actually was a 10th quicker as well on the reaction time to the lights going out. Like that Red Bull again was just nowhere off the line. We've seen that happen a couple of times this weekend. And, you know, everybody thought, oh, Verstappen has the, the tire advantage on the start of the race. He's starting on the soft tire. Of course, that should link up faster. Of course, that should be a little bit quicker. Um, were you surprised at the start of the race of seeing like how easily Hamilton got by Verstappen into turn one? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I, I think it's it's something that we all we all expected uh, 
Max to just have a brilliant start. Uh, we all expected him really, especially sitting on pole position on the, you know, the, the, the quicker of the, the tire compounds. I, I think we expected him to just kind of slingshot into that first corner there and, and really kind of build a little bit of a lead going into the start of that race. But, but Lewis just, I, I mean, he had a phenomenal start. He, he, he was blisteringly quick all weekend. And I think that uh, on that, that tire compound, he just, he, he got the best out of it. And uh, he really, he gave it his all and had a, a brilliant, brilliant start. One that really he couldn't have asked for any better of a start. If you ask me, um, I, I think it was, something that caught us all by surprise, but just goes to show again how, uh, how talented both of these drivers are and that, you know, he, he is a seven time world champion for a reason. And he, uh, he definitely put it on display for most of this Grand Prix. Yeah, it was, it was a lovely start from Lewis Hamilton. I mean, it was just, we we've seen Lewis Hamilton be quick off the line many times this season, last season throughout his whole career. But then there was 2021 Abu Dhabi off the line. I mean, that was just flying, but on lap one, as they're going through sector one, it's pretty clean. Actually, it's a clean first lap. There was no, you know, contact anywhere, no early safety car, which, you know, I wasn't really too surprised by because it's Abu Dhabi. There, you know, a lot of the times it's a pretty clean start to the race there. But then we get to turn six, and this is where we hit our first piece of controversy. Because, of course, after this 2021 season, which has been filled with protests and filled with team appeals and team lobbying and Messages to the race director. Of course, there was going to be controversy in this race. And we find it at turn six. So at turn six, it is Lewis Hamilton in the lead of the race. Max Verstappen's on a charge coming up behind him. Lewis Hamilton keeps to the right side of the track, opens the door on the inside because he's he's planning to, to turn in a little bit later to get a straight entrance more into that little bit of like a slow speed chicane going down just to turn nine on that last back straight there. Um, Lewis goes to the right. The doors open on the left. Verstappen dives down the inside. Now, when I first watched, when I first watched that, passing attempt by Max Verstappen I actually did think that they made contact in the corner I said oh no here we go they're crashing um but they actually didn't it was a clean in my opinion it was a I mean lick the stamp and send it kind of pass but he did make the pass into the corner now Lewis Hamilton was ahead at the breaking point but going into the apex of the turn this is where Max Verstappen pulls up alongside and at the apex of the corner Max Verstappen is ahead and he kept it on the track this time. Now what happens is Lewis Hamilton is pushed wide. Lewis Hamilton dives off to the track. He goes on the escape path and he's going straight down towards turn nine. Now, while that's happening, Verstappen stays on track, goes through the course as he's supposed to comes out of the corner and he's over a second behind Lewis Hamilton who went down the escape path. Now, Connor, quick question as we're, you know, getting into this now. Do you think that Lewis Hamilton should have had to give that position back? I think overall, yes. Um, you know, I think just plain and simple, if we are, you know, abiding by the the rules that are, you know, supposed to be the rules of, uh, you know, this Formula One platform, um, I think it was pretty clear that Max had, you know, he had gained position. It was a tight situation. I do think that, Lewis did have to turn off and use that escape road, but I do believe that, you know, he used that escape 
route there, he hopped back on track. All was well. Nobody crashed. It was a, a clean move overall. Uh, both drivers did what they had to do, so to speak. Um, but I do think that once, you know, he rejoined, he should have just, you know, given the position back. Uh, obviously, as racers, we're not just going to give it back. We're going to, you know, just race and and until someone says, hey, give that position back. Um, we weren't expecting him to just give it back willingly. Um, but I do think that there should have been a a pretty quick call in terms of the review. I, I really don't understand what there was to uh, to look at uh, in terms of an overall you know scenario or move. It was pretty clear cut. Uh, I think anybody who watched it, even from a, a at-home standpoint, could very clearly see that he had position. He should give the position back and continue racing. You know, it should have been a, a pretty quick and easy and, and somewhat painless decision for Massey. But uh, we obviously did not see Is that. there anything such thing as painless <laughs> with Michael Massey? Not this season. That is absolutely for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I do agree. I, I think that for Stappen, you know, it, it was an absolute just dive to the inside a very late move but he had to make that move because it's lap one he needs to get track position at abu dhabi they made a lot of changes to the track to try to try to like you know improve the the raceability of the track and the flow it made some improvements but i don't think it really did all that we were hoping for it made for a very exciting qualifying session but when it came to the race it seems as if the track still needs a little bit of improvement and verstappen knew that he had to get that position back. So was it, you know, was it a dive bomb? Yes. But did he pull the dive bomb off? Also, yes. So the thing about it is Michael Massey, immediately they go, okay, no investigation necessary. And they said that there was no investigation necessary because Hamilton had returned the gap to Max Verstappen as it was before they entered the corner. Now, I don't technically, you know, I don't really agree with that all too much because why does it matter what happened before the corner if Verstappen made the pass and got by in the corner, but then at the exit of the corner, he's a, over a second behind? Like, what what gap was returned? So um, I think that Michael Massey and the FAA, we know that they kind of look at race starts usually around, like, lap one, lap two. They It's kind of anything goes. I mean, I think the the, the best example of that is Fernando Alonso in Russia. Um just absolutely taken to the escape road. He gains like three or four positions and they're just like, yeah, well, you know, race start can't do anything. I think it was another case of that. And, um, you know, that's just another one of those things that the FIA and Michael Massey have to clamp down on because, you know, again, this is just another instance where it's like, okay, well, there is a rule about that, but I don't think they know how to read. So, yeah, I think it's, it was just a, a clear cut kind of, it was so early on. It was so, you know, Obviously, it would have massive implications in terms of, of what the race would end up to be. Uh, but for, for Massey, uh, again, I, I agree with you in terms of, uh, you know, I, I don't really understand how you reason it by saying, well, he, he gave the gap back um, because he, he clearly didn't. Um, or that was, you know, maybe just how I saw it. But he, he clearly was still uh, a decent a ways away from Max after being able to kind of just take a shortcut, essentially. Uh, not that he meant to, not that he did it intentionally in terms of, hey, Max, I'm just going to cut across here, see you later. But uh, he was forced to move over to avoid contact. And then he hopped back on a bit, you know, further on than what he should have been initially. Um, I, I think it was just the decision in which 
Michael knew that no matter what, he was going to get a, a sharp side of the knife either way he went. So he decided, you know, well, it's only lap one. Let's see how things fold out. I'm just going to uh, just kind of throw this out there like I've been doing and uh, hope for the best. Yeah, I mean, it really is. a It's a lose-lose situation if you're Michael Massey because, you know, A, you let it go and Red Bull is upset because you let it go and he should have returned the position. Mm-hmm. Or B, you enforce it and then Mercedes are upset, but a little bit more of the neutral side of it is more pleased because that means the rules are getting followed. So it's a bit of a lose-lose situation um, regardless of it, you know. The FAA made their decision. Hey, no investigation necessary. And we carried on the good thing. You know, th- there's a couple good things and bad things for both Red Bull and Mercedes off of the start of the race. Um, good thing for Red Bull. Sergio Perez got by Lando Norris pretty quickly on lap one. I think he got by him at turn five. If I remember correctly, he made a pretty nice move there. Um, so the good thing about it is it's, Lewis Hamilton out in front, but then he's being chased down by both of the Red Bulls. The bad thing for Mercedes, granted, the good thing is you got by Verstappen at turn one, like he was just parked there. I mean, it was an absolutely beautiful start. But then the bad thing is you now have two Red Bulls chasing you down. So it, it made it made things a little interesting on the strategy side of things. So here we are then with the Mercedes of Lewis Hamilton pulling ahead of Max Verstappen. And, and Red Bull is just looking for an answer because at this point, you know, the soft tires that you started the race on one, it didn't really work for your strategy because you lost the position immediately and B it's doing what we all knew that it was going to do and degrading quickly. Now we knew that the soft tire was not the tire of choice that Red Bull wanted to use at the start of the race. We know that they wanted to go with the mediums first up and locks up in qualifying and flat spots the mediums remember flat spot means your tires are square now so that's not good um so it made sense for them to switch over to the softs but they started to degrade quickly so then on lap 14 verstappen pits he gets off the soft tire and he gets on to the hard tire um while that's going on you know all really at this point hamilton has to do is cover off verstappen because at this point those soft tires had degraded so quickly under heavy. You got to remember off the start of the race, these cars are heavy. They have about 110 kilograms of fuel in it. Now I, I know that, you know, we're American and we speak gallon and pound, but I don't have my math equations off the top of my head. So it's 110 kilograms and you can Google it and let me know. But anyway, that's heavy. So those tires degraded quickly. He started to lose pace. And at that point, Verstappen's out of the pit window and he's not really a threat to undercut or overcut um lewis hamilton so they bring in hamilton on the following lap just to simply cover him off now both drivers are set to go on a one-stop strategy they're both on the hard tire looks like they're going to the end um connor do you think that pulling the trigger that early was the best decision uh i think it was uh in terms of 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 red bull or mercedes In, in in Let's go with in Mercedes. Like, do they have to cover Verstappen off right there, or could have they just kept going on the medium? I I honestly think. I mean, they they were on the medium and they they did have some some solid pace. Uh, I think it was a situation in which, um, maybe you know, uh, in a in a different scenario in a different world, maybe you you know maybe take another two laps, see if you can really stretch out that gap a little bit, 
really push while uh, you have the advantage, especially with him switching over to the hards. Um, you know, maybe they could have built a little bit more comfortable of a lead. I, I think overall it it was a, a good decision because I, I think, you know, they knew that that hard tire was going to last until the end if they made the switch. Uh, and I, I think that overall it, it was a, a decent strategy. I, I think that they, they called it at, you know, probably the right time. I, I think, again, it, it could have went one way or another. They could have pushed it a little bit longer. But I think overall it, it wasn't a bad decision by Mercedes, and I think that they were able to execute it pretty well. Um, so, so overall, and again, it kind of factors into, you know, obviously he was being chased by the Red Bulls, um, again, kind of going back into just the, the mediocre day that Bottas had, um, just really not doing anything to, uh, to help the strategy, uh, for Lewis Hamilton at all, or for Mercedes during that Grand Prix. Oh, the looming question of this weekend is going to be what could Valtteri Bottas have done if, (laughs) if, you know, he wasn't doing terrible. Um, there's really just no other way to put it besides he's doing terrible, but I'm not going to sit here and roast Valtteri Bottas all episode. I could, but I'm not going to, um, so Connor, I actually disagree with you and that's okay because we're people and we disagree. Look at that lessons with the love of speed. Now I disagree with you saying that Mercedes pulled the trigger at the right time, responding to Max Verstappen, because we have to look at Sergio Perez because he also started on the soft tire and he was also on pace for those soft tires to degrade. I think they should have kept Lewis Hamilton out a little bit later. And, you know, they have a great gap back to Max Verstappen. You're well, you're, you're sitting in a terrific spot right now to win this race and to win the championship. I think that they should have waited a couple more laps, see what happens with Sergio Perez. Do they pit him as well? And then you're covering off both of them and you're handling the situation of having two Red Bulls against one Mercedes. I think that they pulled it too early and I think that they should have waited to see what happened because what ended up happening was when they pulled Hamilton into the pits, Sergio Perez takes the lead of the race. And I don't know if you've noticed, but Sergio Perez is actually a pretty difficult driver to get by this year. Especially, I mean, we've seen it throughout his career that he's a, a very, very talented driver. He was just, he never really had the car that he could perform in before he got to Red Bull. So then here we are, Sergio Perez, P1, Lewis Hamilton, P2, and Max Verstappen, P3. Now roll the ultimate masterclass defense that we saw from Sergio Perez on laps 20 and 21. It was no secret that Red Bull were hanging Perez out there with one mission, as Valtteri Bottas would have had the exact same mission if he had been up there, and that was slow down Lewis Hamilton. Back him up close the gap up from him to Verstappen, play the team game. That's what Mercedes wants in from Bottas, and that's exactly what Red Bull got from Sergio Perez, and it was absolutely crucial to the result of this championship. I think if Sergio Perez was out of the mix, that throws the doors wide open. We're looking at a Hamilton win. So we get to lap 20. We get to lap 21. Hamilton is catching up behind Sergio Perez, and we know, okay, Hamilton has the newer tires. He has more pace. So then we kind of thought, how much can Sergio Perez really do? Um, I think the gap back at the time from Verstappen to Hamilton was about 13 seconds or so, right around that range. It was either 12 or 13. I'm sure that someone will actually look it up and call me out on Twitter, and that's totally rightfully so. But I think it was 12 or 13, and that's my final answer, and that's what I'm going with. Um, Lewis Hamilton comes up behind Sergio Perez. He gets by him 
At first, he gets by him. But then Sergio Perez makes a move down the inside. He gets the lead back. Then Hamilton passes him out of the exit of the corner. This is all happening around turn five, turn six, that area. And then for the next lap and a half, Sergio Perez gets ahead again on an absolute missile of a pass to the dirty side of the track, the inside, going around that little sweeper bend of turn eight, leading up into turn nine. And all he does for the next lap and a half is back Lewis Hamilton up in dramatic fashion. And we see that gap from Verstappen to Hamilton slowly, not even slowly, just quickly come down. I mean, I think that Verstappen gained seven and a half seconds on Hamilton in one lap alone, just from Sergio Perez's defense. I mean, Connor, to throw it over to you, what more could Sergio Perez have done besides that? Because he slowed down Hamilton, he backed him right up into it, allowed Verstappen to catch up, and then when he did get passed by Hamilton and he knows, like, okay, I'm definitely not catching him at this point. He's got the move on me. He's got it done. He gives DRS to Verstappen and unleashes him after him, and that unleashes Verstappen right back into the pit window of Lewis Hamilton. Therefore, taking away any opportunity for Lewis Hamilton to pit because they were going to lose track position. Is that, I mean, was that not just perfection from Sergio Perez? Oh, without a doubt. Uh, I mean, I think you, you look at the performance and the defense by uh, Perez there. And it, it was just, I mean, there, there, there was nothing else he could have done uh, more to help Max really close up that gap. And then, you know, again, as you mentioned, like, uh, after we see this brilliant, brilliant defense and seeing him slow up Hamilton, who was just, I mean, as we've saw all weekend, he was just on pace to just put up blistering times. Uh, we, we saw him really just struggle to get behind Perez. And, and he really just, he, he gave it his all being an absolute masterclass teammate uh, in terms of just really doing whatever it took possible to slow up Hamilton. And then after, you know, he finally could not fight any longer because, you know, Hamilton was just, he was on better pace and he was finally able to just outdrive him at that point. He gives DRS to his teammate and, and sets up a slingshot, so to speak, uh, for Max Verstappen to, to really just go after and attack Lewis. And I mean, it was just uh, in a matter of, of, you know, two, three laps, it, it, it changed from, you know, oh, no, you know, we have to stop Lewis or he's going to run away from it to, oh, my goodness, we're, we're right there. You know, Perez really, yeah, yeah. He, he changed the entire atmosphere of that race. Uh, and it was absolutely phenomenal to see him, you know, just just put on a, a show uh, and really, really do, I think, really all that he could have been asked to do in terms of that situation. Again, uh, as we said, you know, if Valtteri was in that same position, uh, he, he would have, you know, tried to do the same. But it was just one of those uh, performances by uh, by Sergio that I think we'll look back on for, for years to come and say, you know, if, if he didn't put on such a masterful defense, there's a very good chance that we could have seen a much different outcome uh, to this championship Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, just like you had said, if it was Valtteri Bottas in that position, he's doing the exact same thing. I mean, the role of those two drivers being Perez and Bottas was simply help your teammate. He needs you at this time. And Sergio Perez couldn't have done that even any better. Um, Max Verstappen came on the radio just after that lap 20 and, and 21 battle between Perez and, and Hamilton, and, and just that Checo's a legend. Like, that was unreal. And, and 
the biggest thing that it did, it, it held up Hamilton, but it changed the strategy, which was the big, big focal point of the race was track position and strategy. Because at this point now, Max Verstappen, just a couple of seconds behind Lewis Hamilton. He's not close enough to put a move on, but he is close enough to where if Lewis Hamilton were to pit for any reason, now Red Bull and Verstappen have track position because they are easily going to get by him and come out with like a 15-second gap. So that changed so much. And if Perez didn't put on a drive like he did, we're very, very easily looking at a very different outcome um, of this race. And... You know, it, it just so happened to work out that Perez does this incredible defense, backs up Hamilton, Verstappen catches. Like you said, he slingshots him out, lets him go chase him down, and then just after lap 30, the virtual, the virtual safety guard comes out for Antonio Giovinazzi. Um, one of the two Alfa Romeos. It, it, it was sad to see Antonio Giovinazzi have a mechanical failure and retirement in I don't want to say it's his last race in F1 because he is a really talented driver, um, but it's at least his last Formula One race for now. As we know, Antonio Giovinazzi is headed over to Formula E next year. Um, But anyway, the virtual safety car comes out just after lap 30. They keep, they being Mercedes, Mercedes keeps Lewis Hamilton out on track. They do not pit him for new tires. Red Bull and Verstappen see this, and they pit for new tires, and all of a sudden, everything has changed again. And now Verstappen is on for a two-stop instead of the one-stop that they were originally proposed on. Now, Connor, let's speak theoretically right now. You theoretically right now are Total Wolf. Are you pitting Lewis Hamilton, or are you keeping him out? Uh, I think at this point in the race, uh, I mean... With there being a virtual safety car, I know that you know it's it's just one of those situations in which obviously we 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 know that Lewis can finish the race right now on this hard tire setup. We know that he's it seems like he's got the pace, the tires are holding up. He can finish this race if we if we need be, he can finish this race. But for myself personally, I, I think I I would have had to go with with yes you know i i think under the virtual safety car you you just have to go for that pit stop right there you 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 give your driver a chance to get some fresher tires and it just it it resets almost his whole feel because now instead of having to work on these hard tire compounds that are a little bit beaten down you're you're working on a, a fresher set that is now going to be fresher as we go on throughout this later half of this race and i i just i feel like it was just if there was ever a time to do it, that virtual safety car was the uh, the the somewhat perfect time for Mercedes to do it. Uh, unfortunately, you know they they didn't go for it, and and it wasn't necessarily unfortunately, but for them they 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 thought it best to not. Um, and it, it overall, you know, it, it may not have completely hurt them because they did still, uh, you know, obviously show great pace throughout the rest of the race. But just one of those what if scenarios that uh, you, you never know how it could have really benefited them in the long run, you know? Yeah, it is another one of those what-if scenarios. Um, however, if I'm Total Wolf and I'm Mercedes, I, I am calling Lewis Hamilton in to come to the pits for a new set of tires. Now, the reason that I say this is a standard pit stop under green flag conditions, you're bound to lose about 20 to 22 seconds on average. That's the time coming into the pits, getting to your to your pit box, 
and, and, and exiting and rejoining the track. You're bound to lose about 20 to 22 seconds on average. Now, under the virtual safety car, and under the safety car, like the real safety car, not the virtual one, the real Aston Martin, which was beautiful this weekend. I love that Aston Martin that they drive. But anyway, before I start nerding out about the Aston Martin, <laughs> you only lose about 10 seconds, about 10 to 15 seconds in terms of relative pace. It's an extremely cheap pit stop because the entire field is slowed down. So I would have pulled the trigger. I would have gone for a new set of tires. However, looking at the pace after that second pit stop, it still wasn't enough for Max Verstappen to catch Lewis Hamilton. Granted, we don't know what was going to happen at the end of the race. I don't think anybody knew what was going to happen at the end of the race yet. But, you know, when we look at the relative pace, yes, Verstappen came out and he set the fastest lap of the race and was setting purple sectors. But, I mean, it still just seems like Hamilton and Mercedes they had maybe one or two tenths advantage per lap. He, just, he wasn't really closing in as much. So personally, I would have pit um, Lewis Hamilton, but maybe because I would have pit Lewis Hamilton is the reason that I'm not the Mercedes team principal, because it obviously seemed as if it was going to work out if that didn't happen. Fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's just, you know, as we so often say, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's chess at, you know, 150 plus miles per hour, but, it was just one of those decisions in which could they have gone for the pit? Absolutely. Could it have been, you know, a, 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 obviously a, a much lesser of a, a pit stop compared to what a normal pit stop would be in terms of time loss? Absolutely. But again, uh, I, I think this was just Mercedes having, uh, you know, the utmost faith and in, in confidence in their world-class driver that they, they said, you know what, Lewis, you're comfortable. You're, you're setting a great pace. Go finish this race up and, and go win this world championship. Yeah, I mean, those tires, they didn't look too bad. Um, but I don't know. I mean, to try to make it to the end, it was really risky to me. If any driver was going to pull it off, it would have been Lewis Hamilton. I mean, he is a seven-time world champion for a reason. Um, in my opinion, he is the greatest of all time. And, you know, that doesn't come without certain skills, like being able to nurse tires for 40-plus laps and win a race. I mean, but... Again, you know, I'm not the Mercedes team principal and I don't make these decisions. But moving on from that, on lap 53, it all happened. Connor, I don't know about you, but I was not ready for what happened from lap 53 onward. I mean, at lap 53, it's a 10-second gap back from Hamilton to Verstappen. It looks absolutely finished. It looks like Hamilton's just going to take this one home. There's lapped cars in between them. He's going to have Verstappen's going to have to get through back markers to even get start chipping away at that gap to Hamilton. I mean, it just looked set. But then on lap 53 in 2008 at the World Championship decider, it was, is that clock going slowly? And in 2021, it's, oh, and Latifi's in the wall because it absolutely happened. Nicholas Latifi put it in the wall at turn 14 and brought out the full safety car. Connor, did your heart just sink when that happened on lap 53? Because I was watching this race with a great friend of mine and, you know, we kind of looked at each other and said like, it's happening. Yeah, it was, uh, it was one of those moments in which, you know, at, at that point in the race, um, you know, with, with, with so few laps to go, uh, the, the gap seemingly, you know, more than enough and more than comfortable for Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes to to really just, uh, you know, cruise to a, a an eighth world title, so to speak. Uh, it, it seemed like, you know, it was, hey, it was a great season. 
Lewis has this uh, pretty wrapped up. So this is it. And then uh, all of a sudden you see, I mean, and, and it, it couldn't have come in a, in a more uh, useless place in terms of Latifi uh, racing Schumacher for really last place. Um, it was just one of those, man, they were fighting it out for last place. Yeah, incredible moments in which uh, out of all the p- people that could have been out of all the, you know, position battles, so to speak, it could have been uh, to see that it was the last two drivers on the grid battling it out. Uh, and then one just losing it going into uh, the same turn that we saw uh, Raikkonen, you know, lose his back end. And it, it just, it was one of those situations in which, I think as, you know, as an F1 fan in general, it doesn't matter who you favor in terms of teams or drivers. You sat there and said, no way. Like you, you, you were speechless to, to the fact that this, this just, this is happening. This is actually happening. It was definitely just one of the craziest moments I think we've seen in a long time in the, in the formula one rail. Oh, it's, it's, it's going to be an iconic moment, especially the, uh, the commentary that Martin Brundle and, and, you know, they had done, you know, Latifi in the wall. I mean, it's just going to be one of those clip things that we're always going to hear about. And, I mean, you did kind of hit it on the head. The, the two drivers for last place battling it out, and one happens to lose it and go in the wall. And if we take a look at Nicholas Latifi through the practice sessions, he lost it previously in turn 14 and hit the wall. I think it was FP2 or it was FP1, but it was in one of the practice sessions he lost it in turn 14 as well. So, Turn 14 and Nicholas Latifi was just bound to happen. Now, let me address this really quickly, though. On this podcast, we've noticed kind of on social media, a lot of people are going after Nicholas Latifi, sending him some negative tweets and some negative messages. We're not at any way going after Nicholas Latifi. What happened happened. It's motor racing. These things do happen. Um but yeah, I mean, it just couldn't have happened in a more dramatic fashion at a more pivotal moment in time. So now it's lap 53 and the full safety car comes out. Where are Hamilton and Verstappen on track? They're in sector three. Where is sector three? The pit lane entry. Now, at this point of the race, Verstappen is only about 10 seconds behind on Lewis Hamilton. So he's not close enough to make a move on him, of course, because he's 10 seconds back, but The safety car just came out, so it's going to bunch the pack up. Hamilton and Mercedes stay out for the second time under a safety car because they were worried about losing track position to Max Verstappen. So Max Verstappen sees this. Red Bull know how old those tires are that Lewis Hamilton is on, and they say, we literally have nothing left to lose. Like, this is the championship. It's still tied at this point. Like, it's do or die. So, Red Bull pulls the trigger. And arguably one of the most aggressive strategy calls that you could even imagine. But at the same time, one of the most no-brainer strategy calls. But, you know, obviously it's so complicated with the positioning on track, with where they were. Like, if I think if Hamilton were to go in and pit, Verstappen stays out. But because Hamilton did not pit, And Red Bull, no. Okay, we're under a safety car. We can pit Max. Cheap pit stop. He's going to come out, and he's going to come right up behind Hamilton under the the safety car, and then it's game on. So, um, Connor, again, second time, didn't pit under safety car. Is is that the decision that comes back to bite Mercedes? 
I think as we watch how the the ultimate ending of this race goes, um, I I do I, I think that um, you know if we have a situation where they say you know what we're going to pit uh, you know allow that gap to close, I, I think that at that point in the race they you know they could have easily pitted, put on a fresh set of softs and and really just went out and no they matter ha- they, they had a fresh set of softs that they could have used right yeah and i, I just I, I i just i feel like at that point in the race i mean uh, you know that lewis has been on just phenomenal pace on even you know the hards really you know even outlasting and and, and ousting max on what was softs to begin the race uh so i, I think you know it, it was almost to me a, a no-brainer that hey listen throw him on a, a soft tire that's going to be quicker, put him into a position in which him and Max were probably going to be, you know, separated by a little bit, maybe even a, a car or two that were, you know, maybe in the middle of that fight, but nothing at all in which he, he wouldn't have been able to, you know, overcome. Uh, I think obviously uh, the, the scare of not knowing if that safety car was going to end uh, was obviously a, a, a definite thought as well. You know, they, they could have, could have easily thought that, well, you know, maybe the safety car is going to last until the end of the race and we won't get any even opportunity to race again. Um, so I'm sure that 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 majorly, you know, affected the decision on whether or not to, you know, risk it or not. Um, in which ultimately we, we saw Red Bull just say, hey, listen, if we get the opportunity to, you know, even have uh, one last lap in which we saw. Uh, we're, we're going to take the opportunity because we, we don't have anything to lose. If, if they allow us one last, you know, racing lap or maybe two last racing laps, we want to have fresher tires rather than not having it. If the opportunity shows up, but if, you know, the, the race ends in a a safety car, then we, you know, it's, that's out of our hands. Um, so I, I definitely think it was, uh, it was optimistic to say the least in terms of Red Bull strategy, but for, uh, for Mercedes, I think that they were definitely uh, probably banking a little bit more on just, hey, there's a good chance that this doesn't get cleaned up before the final lap and we uh, we we finish this race under a safety car. So you do bring up a tremendous point right there, and that was actually going to be the next point that we're going to talk about is the timing of that late safety car and just how in shambles Nicholas Latifi's car actually was. I mean, that thing was in pieces at the exit of turn 14. He hit the wall pretty hard at probably around 120, 130 miles an hour, slid backwards into the wall as well. I mean, it was a pretty big crash. Only we even saw the, that front left tire actually start to, uh, you know, engulf itself in fire because it was so hot. Uh, causing one of the marshals to have to spray the track then with the fire. Yeah, yeah the brakes caught on fire. That's, that's it's one of those situations where you know people probably think, oh well, you know, it's just a little bit of a, it's a little bit of fire extinguisher dust. Just get it cleaned up and let's go. It's it's one of those things that at, at such high speeds and in such a high speed turn, uh, I mean, you can't take any risk. And we even saw as they passed that spot after they had cleaned it up, all the dust that flew into the air as they were you know, flying by on that very last lap that they were allowed to race. So uh, I think it was, you know, it was a, a pivotal, you know, moment. It was extremely, uh, you know, it was as Christian Horner said, you know, that they needed a miracle to, to have an opportunity to catch uh, Hamilton. And this was that miracle that they were given. But at the same time, 
it was almost at a, a, a point in the race, which was almost too late, so to speak. So it was, uh, it was just an insane kind of, uh, you know, chaotic finish to what, I mean, we, we couldn't have at all expected a race to, to have this type of a finish. It was uh, a sight to see for sure. Let's look at it from a different bit of a perspective right now. Okay. So the safety car comes out with five laps to go in the race. Nicholas Latifi's car is in shambles. The front left of it catches on fire from the brakes overheating and not getting any cold air to therefore cool off. Now, if Hamilton and Mercedes pit and Verstappen stays out and the race finishes under safety car with Verstappen in the lead and Verstappen wins the championship under safety car, Mercedes look like the biggest bunch of dum-dums that have ever even entered into Formula One. So it really was just such a complicated situation so late in the race that you couldn't have you couldn't have written a more fitting end to the 2021 championship than this last lap. I mean, this, this um, late race incident, we'll call it. So now let's take a look at the order of what the cars were behind the safety car. Before we get into what Michael Massey and the FIA, you know, decided and then reversed and all of that, we're going to get into that, but they were lined up Behind the safety car, it went Hamilton, Norris, the two Alpines, Leclerc, Vettel, and then Verstappen. Norris, the two Alpines, Leclerc, and Vettel were all back markers. They were all lapped cars. So at this point, you're behind the safety car, the laps are dwindling away, and you have five back markers in between you and Lewis Hamilton. Now, under the safety car, lapped cars overtake so they can unlap themselves that's how it always is but this time michael massey comes on the radio and says lapped cars will not overtake and then what was it a lap later no 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 lapped cars can overtake but only these five lapped cars can overtake and it was only the five cars that were between verstappen and hamilton so those five cars were allowed to overtake However, there were still, I think, one or two lapped cars. I think Ricardo was in the mix, too, and maybe one other. But anyway, um, those cars did not unlap themselves. So, Connor, really quick, I just want to get your opinion quick. What happened with the decisions under the safety car? I mean, did Michael Massey just take the rule book, take a couple of uh, dice in one hand, and just throw them up in the air and say, yeah, we're just going to see what happens? Yeah, I, I think um, again, as as a as just a pure racing fan, um, we've obviously been quite disappointed in the uh, the work of of Massey and the FIA this season. But um, it was just one of those situations in which, at the end of this race, no matter whether it be Max or Lewis, both of these drivers were beyond deserving of this championship, um, and it it just it leaves such a an odd feeling really uh, because, you know, you're, you're beyond happy and excited for Max winning his first championship. I mean, he, he had a, a phenomenal season. He really, again, he, he deserved to win this championship. And, and then on the other end, you have Lewis, who is, you know, a seven time world champion. He, he arguably earned his keep and, and deserved to win that record breaking eighth. Um, and to see it really decided again by, uh, 
you know, as we've seen really over the course of the season, we've seen, uh, you know, it seems like multiple races decided more so by the FIA than, than actually racing. Um, it was just a tough situation, I think, for, for Massey's end and, and how we view it. Um, I, I think, obviously, the rules are the rules. And if we were going to follow them, then yes, behind the safety car, those lap cars, not only just the five that were in between the two top racers, but all of them, you know, send them all right off the rip, allow themselves to unlap themselves and get right out of the way um, and, and make that decision right off the rip. If Michael Massey would have done that and, and Max ultimately passes Lewis because he's on the fresher tire, then it's just, it is what it is. You know, it, we, you allowed the rules to be the rules and you allowed racing to continue. Right. Um, but I think in this situation where you see, you know, immediately him getting on the radio with Christian saying, you know, no, these, uh, these cars aren't going to be allowed to, you know, lap the safety car. Sorry. They're not going to unlap themselves. Uh, and then even Max, you know, going on the, Oh, of course. And kind of laughing at it as such a tense moment, you know, to have a, a championship, you know, rival laughing at like, Oh, of course, you know, that's just typical FIA. And then almost instantly you, completely turn around and you say you know what these five yeah you know just just go ahead and pass them and then as soon as they get past you go all right yeah let's let's end the safety car i mean i think that was just it was one of those situations where it was just again as fans watching it unfold it was just mind-boggling to think oh my goodness now now max is right behind him he's on fresher tires the safety car is ending we have one lap to go i mean it was just it was incredible i mean to see uh, i think overall it was Michael Massey really just being the, the, the Michael Massey that we've seen all season long in absolute chaotic fashion, uh, making just just overall not great decisions, uh, not really having control of the race. But uh, I, I overall, again, I, I can't be you know mad at the result because I, I, I think it was a great result. I think it was a great Grand Prix, but I, I really do hope that the FIA can sit down and in not only look at overall the, the rules that they put in place, but how they execute and how they apply those rules to, to everyday racing, because uh, it, it definitely has some cleaning up to do. I think it was the, the hesitancy and it was the indecisiveness from Michael Massey that kind of cost him botching up the end of this Grand Prix, because no doubt if we look at it from hindsight, the marshals at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix did a phenomenal job of clearing the track. They did get the track ready in time for a restart. But the FIA, Michael Massey, had spent so much time deliberating. Okay, do we let the lapped cars overtake? Do we not let the lapped cars overtake? Do we only let these five go? They spent too much time doing that instead. I mean, like you said, like if 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 they clear the track. They let the lapped cars go immediately. I also agree that, you know, it shouldn't be like, oh, let's wait for the the pack to bunch up before we mm-hmm. we let them go. Like, no, just let them go. That's the point. You're going to let them go anyway. So what's the point of waiting? And Sebastian Vettel even brought up a point like, why don't we just let the lapped cars drop back instead of making them do a lap around? Like, there's so many other ways that it could be done. Absolutely. But, Above all, it was just the inc- it was the indecisiveness and the hesitancy from Michael Massey that really botched it all up. So, anyway, the five in between Verstappen and Hamilton go. The other lapped cars stay behind. 
the race is resumed at it, it, the safety car is brought in at the end of lap 57. This is a 58 lap Grand Prix. So on lap 58, the track goes green for one last lap. Arguably the greatest season in Formula One history comes down to a one lap showdown between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. Lewis Hamilton on 44 lap old hard tires. Max Verstappen on a brand new set of softs. So Lewis Hamilton, he, he pushed that car as hard as possible. If you watch the onboard, especially in sector one, he is throwing it over the curbs because he knows, he knows Verstappen's right behind him. You can hear Hamilton on the radio with Mercedes. Like he's swearing on the radio, like Verstappen's right behind me. Like, what do you mean? Like he got new tires, like as, as the safety car is proceeding. And um, I think Lewis Hamilton knew that he was in a bit of trouble and, Hamilton and Mercedes, I think they were just kind of banking on that safety car is not getting cleared in time, but it did. And that's the thing is, but it did. So the track goes green. It's lap 58. Verstappen makes a beautiful move up into turn five. Hamilton, he swung the car to the right at turn five at the entrance. He was really opening up the corner as much as possible because he was trying to turn the car in and just get as straight a line out of turn five onto that back straight as possible. But Verstappen sees the opening and goes for it. It's the last lap. You have to make a passing move at the earliest possibility because if Verstappen didn't get by him there and he didn't get by him at turn six, okay, now your only option is turn nine because you're really not going to get by him at sector three. Like that's for sure. It's built around a parking lot and a, and a boat yard. Like, so, it, anyway, Verstappen gets by at turn five, and he holds the lead for the rest of the of the lap, and he wins the Grand Prix, and he wins the championship. Christian Horner, before, um, you know, w- when the safety car and everything was happening, all he said was, it, we only need one lap. That's it. And it only came down to one lap. So, the checkered flag falls. Verstappen crosses the line in P1 from Lewis Hamilton on a late strategy call to pit for the softs behind the safety car and have the advantage on the restart. And immediately, the FIA and Mercedes explodes. And it's protest. And it's protest. And oh yes, we knew it was coming. So Mercedes filed two protests. One stating that Verstappen passed Lewis Hamilton under the safety car. And the second Uh, protest that was filed was for improper procedure of the safety car. Connor, Christian Horner called the protest after the Grand Prix desperate. Do you agree that it was a desperate move from Mercedes to try to protest the results of the Grand Prix and have it overturned and Toto Wolff screaming at Michael Massey through the headset, you need to go back to the results of the lap before. Like, you need to go back. Um, so Christian Horner called it desperate, and I just want to know, do you think it was desperate or justified? Yeah, I think it was a little bit of both. Um, I think that the way that everything unfolded uh, was, was again, it was just just messy overall. Uh, so, so obviously, you know, from Mercedes' viewpoint, um, they were going to do everything in their power, uh, as desperate as it may have been, uh, to fight for, you know, their, their championship-caliber driver who is, you know, a, a proven champion and that they obviously, you know, they, they had to throw 
all of the cards out on the table to really uh, try to, you know, justify what had just happened and, and really, you know, maybe give give the FIA something to look at, something to maybe grab onto to really, uh, you know, maybe maybe steal this championship back for uh, Lewis Hamilton. Um, but at the same time, uh, justified in the in the regards to the fact that it, it was just messy execution by Michael Massey and the FIA and the way that they handled all of it. Uh, again, communication, as we've said so many times, has just been so, so uh, just just rough and, and inaccurate or, or just just overall just not really the best in terms of decision makings and indecisiveness. Um, I, I think, again, if if we go back to originally, boom, we know we have a safety car. That safety car comes out. Michael Massey, you know, comes on the radio with with Christian, who, as we, we saw, he, he, he went on the radio quickly and said, hey, listen, what about those lap cars? What are we doing here? And Michael Massey clearly says, you know, nope, they will not be allowed to unlap themselves. I, I think if you're the race director and you say that over the radio for not only just Christian Horner and Red Bull to hear, but for everybody, as we all heard, you either stick to that was your word and you keep it. And we never have this issue in terms of Mercedes side of things. Obviously then you'll run into a heap of uh, an issue in terms of what Red Bull has to say about it. But uh, I, I, again, I just think that in, you know, full view, that was, you know, where Mercedes had a, a clear gripe in terms of, yes, that that's what they had to fight. And if there was going to be anything that they could have fought, then that was probably the clear, the clearest uh, battle they had in terms of the, you know, if Max had passed under the safety car, uh, obviously once they had let those cars by and we saw Lewis slow down to about, <laughs> about five miles per hour, it almost seemed like, you know, in terms of these formula one cars, it was almost comical to see them all jam up and be going so slow. Did he pass him possibly, but it was, it was a situation in which we all saw what Lewis was trying to do. Uh, and it was clear. And that was, you know, that that was probably the best thing for him to try to do in terms of that restart. I mean, he 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 didn't have much of a choice. He had to do whatever he could do to try to, you know, get Verstappen to, you know, maybe fly past him, unfortunately, and, and make it clear that, hey, listen, he just passed me. We're still not underneath or, you know, we're still not out from that safety car and, and whatnot. So it was just it was just an absolute, uh, you know, cluster muck, as you want, uh, if you will from Mercedes and, and just trying to to do whatever they can to fight for their driver because you know Lewis Hamilton is is really uh that half of of their legacy in terms of what they've been able to do for these you know several years that they've gone on and just dominated this sport so they they had to throw out all the cards and I think that was just their attempt to do it I think overall uh the FIA made the right decision in terms of dismissing these these uh appeals but it was just uh, a situation that didn't need to be to begin with. The cluster muck. I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to write that one down. I'm not even gonna lie. That was a pretty good um, <laughs> self self censorship, I guess we could say. Um, yeah, I, I think if if the FIA and if Michael Massey decided not to let those lapped cars overtake, that causes. I mean, not causes that that poses a bigger issue than letting them pass because. Mm-hmm. If we look it into the, it goes if, directly against the rules. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. If we okay. look into the regulations, it does state that lapped cars 
overtake under the safety car to unlap themselves, which mm-hmm. we're going to get into the regulations. I spent some time in the rule book after this one for sure. <laughs> um, so it would it would have I mean that would have given Red Bull a legitimate cause to protest if they did not allow those lapped cars to get by because then it's then it's one lap left and Verstappen has to get through five back markers, catch Hamilton and pass him on the last lap like yeah. so Red Bull would have had a legitimate case. Mercedes we're going to get to that in a minute, you know, whether or not they had a, a legitimate case to protest or not, but um they did protest saying that Verstappen overtaked under the safety car and for the improper use of the safety car. Now, the FIA very swiftly did reject those um, appeals. They rejected those protests from Mercedes. It was probably about an hour, hour and a half after the checkered flag fell that it was actually officially announced that Verstappen was a champion um, because they had to get through all of that first. Now, if Mercedes want to protest it further, then you're looking at going to the International Court of Appeals, which is run by the FIA. But if they do that, then we're not looking at a, a championship being decided until maybe April of next year. But in my opinion, Mercedes does not have a case. And we're going to get into that. I have the regulations pulled up in front of me. Um, as for Mercedes protests saying that Verstappen passed behind the safety car, there was a part going into turn into the turn 12, 13 and 14 complex where Verstappen did nudge a little bit ahead of Lewis Hamilton, but that protest was thrown out because by the time that, you know, the safety car had officially ended and they get racing again, by that time Verstappen has gotten back behind Hamilton. So there was no lasting advantage there and he didn't even pull a full car length ahead of him. He only pulled about a couple of inches ahead of him. And as well as that, um, they looked at the telemetry and both drivers are accelerating and then trail braking and then accelerating and trail braking again. So it was a case of them just being side by side. And And you could see that it was, I mean, uh, you you could very clearly tell that, I mean, Lewis was playing a bit of strategy there in terms of he knew the situation. He knew that, you know, this Red Bull was sitting quite literally right next to him uh, in terms of, you know, when we resume racing is really when I go. So, you know, it was a, a bit of a, a bit of like red light, green light, if you will. You know, he was just really trying to see if he could, uh, you know, tempt Verstappen into maybe taking off, I believe. Um, you know, that's what it at least looked like to myself. It really looked like he was trying to, you know, maybe get Verstappen to, you know, to bite on the uh, on the attack and, and really he was trying to bait him into a penalty. Absolutely. You know, and it, it was it was a clever move. You know, it was it was really I mean, looking at it, it was one of the only defenses that Lewis could attempt. Uh, so, you know, it was it was a mind game. And, uh, you know, Max was uh, he was able to to keep it under control and really, really wait and kind of play the uh, the, the lion praying game on him. And uh, it, it obviously in the end, it, uh, it worked out for Max. So it was by both drivers i mean it, it it couldn't have been much more done in terms of lewis's hands in terms of what he could do to defend max and he uh, as you said you know he he tried to push and get everything out of that car that he could um even you know coming very close again to uh maybe even overtaking max uh after he was finally able to get past him but just did not have the you know the tire to to stay really with verstappen uh as that lap unfolded 
Well, a thing that Lewis Hamilton, you could say, should have maybe been a little bit more careful about, but not really because he didn't really do it to a full extent. Mm-hmm. When the safety car is announced as ending, the lead car, whoever's in P1 that was just behind the safety car, they then become the pace car. Right. So when as, you go, they go. Yeah, when you go, they go. So you cannot be doing this gamesmanship of speed up, slow down, speed up, slow down, trying to get Verstappen to, to get the jump. And then, oh, it's Verstappen who deserves the penalty. Like, I think Lewis probably should have been a little bit more careful about that. But at the same time, it's it's a it's a race restart at the last lap and you are at the biggest disadvantage possible um so i can see both sides of it but i'm also i i'm happy with the fia decision um which those words have rarely kind of come out of my mouth this season <laughs> um i'm happy with the fia decision to reject the mercedes initial protests on the um verstappen passing under safety car uh, um, file, I guess you could say. Um, I'm pretty happy to see that one go. Now, as for improper use of the safety car, that was also rejected by the stewards and by the governing body. And, you know, once that one was rejected, that was when everything became official and we saw the final classifications and all that come to fruition. Um, but, Connor, I think we need to actually look at the regulations and look at the rules ourselves. And I have them pulled up on, right in front of me here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it kind of just goes a little bit more in depth and gives a, a bit of an explanatory, you know, reasoning for why these rules are in place and why some of the things that unfolded unfolded. So let's take a look at Article 48.12 of the International Sporting Regulations of the FIA. And that states that, quote, any cars that have been lapped by the leader will be required to pass the cars on the lead lap. Once the last lapped car has passed the leader, the safety car will return to the pits at the end of the following lap. Now, that right there is one of Mercedes' big legal standpoints. Is saying, okay, the safety car comes in at the end of the next lap. Not the end of the lap that they were just released on, which is when the safety car was brought back in. But if they had followed that rule, the race finishes under safety car. And Hamilton wins under safety car. Now, when we look at Article 48.13, it kind of contradicts and goes against exactly what Article 48.12 states, which is just so fitting for the FIA. Um, Fun fact, I think this is Michael Massey's final race as race director, but we'll get into that. Um, Now, Article 48.13 states, when the clerk of the course, a.k.a. Michael Massey, decides it is safe to call in the safety car, The message, quote, safety car in this lap, end quote, will be sent to all competitors via the official messaging system, and the car's orange lights will be extinguished. Now, Article 48.13 overrides Article 48.12. And once the message, quote, safety car in this lap, end quote, has been displayed, it is mandatory to withdraw the safety car at the end of that lap. That lap being lap 57. So you can kind of look at it as a cluster muck. I'm already using your, your terminology. <laughs> it's a good one. It's a good one. I like it. Uh, it is a good one. No. It's very fitting. It's very proper as well. Um, so when we look at it now, 
after reading through Article 48.12 and 48.13 of the sporting regulations, the FIA, Michael Massey, did follow the rules but didn't because the rules that they wrote contradict one another and they go against each other. So then we look to Article 15.3. Now, Article 15.3 allows the race director to control the use of the safety car, a.k.a. safety car deployment, safety car withdrawal, virtual safety car, full safety car, all of that jazz. So it makes you look at it a little bit differently. Um, Article 48.12, that's really more for like your standard kind of safety car setting. Now, all of the teams earlier in the season did come to an agreement that stated, you know, if we can get the safety car out of the way and have as much green flag running as possible. So Michael Massey did that, but didn't do it right because one, he went against what he had said under the safety car and said that lap cars will not overtake and then said that they will. And then in the rules, article 48.13 contradicts that of article 48.12, but then article 15.3 gives all control to the race director. So Connor, with with the articles and with the with the um, with the sporting regulations, how do you view that late incident now? Yeah, it's it's just again, it's it's one of those still a headache situations. Yeah, where it's you know it's as again as as race fans, you like and you you know you uh, you oblige to the fact that okay, hey, listen, every decision that was made was made you know, within the rules and we followed them. But again, it's just, it's more so the, the execution of that. Um, You know, if Michael Massey comes out and says, listen, this is what is going to happen. These are the rules. We are following them. And he makes a, a stern, confident, quick decision. Obviously it's, it's very hard for him to make a quick decision. I know that all this stuff unfolds so quickly, you know, he's trying to clear up the debris, but he, he also isn't the one that's on track clearing the debris. Uh, so, so for him, he's really just listening to, Hey, are we going to get it clear in time? Yes. Okay. Hey, in the meantime, all these lapped cars, go ahead, pass, you know, do what you have to do. Um, that's really a, an insanely easy decision on, and in my eyes, you know, just, let them know off off of you know the 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 get go. Um, we see the safety car come out. Hey, lapped racers, go on. We have plenty of track. This incident happened in one portion of the you know one very small portion of the track. You have the entire rest of the track. If you're in position to unlap yourself, by all means, go ahead. Um, you know, make that decision. Make it clear. Make it known to all the teams that you need to communicate it to, and and then just stick by. Okay, listen. We're going to try to have this cleared up. If we can have this cleared up with one lap to race, we're going to go racing and, and just leave it at that. Really. Uh, I think it's, it, it turned out to be much more complicated and much more, uh, you know, like difficult of a decision to be made by, by Massey. And obviously he wants, you know, the, the racers to be as safe as possible and put them in a, a safe race racing environment, which is great. It's awesome. I, I, I praise the fact that he does that. It's uh, definitely helps the sport, but if it costs in situations like this, which I mean, this, this was a situation in which, especially for Mercedes, this was do or die. And this ultimately cost them the championship. If you look at it in terms of 
if you know that safety car doesn't end they obviously are are well ahead in the lead or if you know maybe they have a an earlier decision they they know hey listen as soon as that safety car gets out of the way let loose you know try to do whatever you need to do to to keep a gap if you can um and and it just was a again a situation in which it felt like the FIA had almost decided this championship um which was you know it's it's a i'm sure a a bittersweet moment for for Red Bull i, I feel like you know they've they've definitely been on the uh, the low totem pole in terms of their luck with the FIA and their decisions against Mercedes and you know and in Red Bull in terms of the incidents that they've had together so uh, i'm sure for them it's a, a moment in which they they finally had some of that luck kind of go into their hands um and and for Mercedes it was just a uh uh, a tough kind of uh, pill to swallow and, and a very tough uh, rap, on, uh, you know, slap on the wrist, so to speak, in terms of being so close to a, a double championship with the constructors and the driver's standings. And then uh, really all, all within the matter of a, of a lap, it just very quickly fell apart. Yeah. It's just, it's a bit unfortunate after what this 2021 season has brought in terms of, just how simply amazing this this season has been between Absolutely. you know the the young and rising talent pool that we have in in Formula One, whether it be Verstappen, Norris, Leclerc, you know any of the young drivers and the the older generation that are still extremely competitive that are still so very fast. Like, um, it is a bit you know bittersweet. You had said, but you know if 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 the crash happened. And it was just standard safety call procedure. Lapped cars go. We get maybe one or two laps of green flag running. Then all is fine. And people look at it like, well, you know, maybe Mercedes should have just pit for a new set of softs. But because Michael Massey and the FIA kind of don't really know what day it is, um, we had the the cluster muck that was the end of the race. Um you know, it's unfortunate to see the race end and, and, you know, the championship end in that sort of fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, there were ways that Mercedes could have had a better shot, you know, pit under one of the two safety car periods and you have fresh tires to therefore fight against Verstappen, which they didn't. But it's also understandable because of how tricky it was. It was a late, late safety car. Um, a lot of people said maybe a red flag would have been more appropriate because then you not only preserve the final laps of the race, um, but then it's free tire choice. It's free pit stops. The grid gets sorted and you have a standing start to the end of the race, which we saw that in Azerbaijan. It was a two lap standing uh, start sprint race to the end there. So it very easily could have happened here as well. Um, So it's a bit unfortunate to see you know, the FIA and Michael Massey act in the way that they did in the handling of that situation. There's a lot of, there's a lot of routes that it could have gone. It could have gone the proper route, which is, you know, lapped cars unlap yourself and get the incident clear. And then we go green for a couple laps, or you could have gone red flag, clear the track, standing start five laps left. But Michael Massey said, I want to choose the one that has the most headaches and kind of like made his own way to go. Um, but unfortunately, you know, that is what it is. It's these things happen in motor racing. 
the FIA, Michael Massey, they did follow their own rules. They just didn't really follow their own rules in the proper way, manner, fashion, or timeline that would have been more appropriate to something as, you know, high up in the pinnacle of the Formula One championship and, and, you know, the championship deciding race. And, you know, it couldn't have gone wrong at a, at a worse time for Michael Massey, but you know, that's why I think he's not going to be there next season was just last year and this year, everything that we've seen from him is, I don't think we're going to be seeing much of Michael Massey next year, but we do have a statement from Michael Massey. The race director stated that the purpose of article 48.12 was to remove those lapped cars that would quote interfere in the racing between the leaders and, um, in the view of article 40, 40, 48.13, excuse my stutter. Um, that was the one that applied in this case was, Hey, the lapped cars are out of the way of our leaders. Therefore we're following this regulation. And then also 15.3 and 48.13. Give me control over this. I can pull in the safety car right now. And by pulling in the safety car right now, we are then mandatory to go racing at the end of this lap. So, was it a cluster muck? God, I'm going to keep using that term now. Connor, you, you just deemed like the best term. Um, yes, absolutely it was. But did it follow all of the rules, procedures, and regulations? Yes, it also did. So yeah, I think overall it was just that uh, it, it purely comes down to execution. And even like you had said, you know, maybe, you know, and, and I, I think instead of, you know, making late decisions like you said uh, i think a a red flag would have been absolutely reasonable it would have given everybody a chance to reset it would have kind of just made the last few laps or a couple of laps that we could have seen that much more desirable to watch because it really just gives okay and now it gives this top competitor and this top competitor and even the rest of you know the pack that would have been in you know that standing start it gives everybody kind of free reign to say, Hey, listen, we're going to give you two more laps to finish this up as if we were, you know, starting a race, go out, fight for it. And, and just, you know, go after it and, and race really, you know, the, the thing that we so, so much, you know, desire to see as race fans, we, we just want to see these phenomenal uh, talents use these insane machines to, to race. Um, and I, I think that, as we've seen over the course of this season and, and, and bits of last season, um, the just indecisiveness of, of the FIA and Massey, it's, it's definitely, it can't go unnoticed. Um, you know, I, I think when you have veteran drivers calling you soft, that is uh, a telling, telling tale of, uh, of how the, uh, you know, the, the race director is making his decisions and, and uh, kind of just his longevity in this sport as a whole. Yeah, I think his longevity as a whole in this sport is coming to an end. Um, I, I think it won't be long. I think by the time we get to winter testing, there's some announcement that Michael Massey is out as race director. And, you know, you have to say, like, it's it's deserved. We've seen too many of these. You know, it, it, it's not a controversial incident until it turns into a controversial incident by the way that it's handled by the FIA. Mm. And this is another one of those perfect scenarios. I mean, and when you have uh, such uh, like we've, we've already touched on when it's in the, the most pivotal, not even in just a pivotal moment in 
literally the most pivotal, you know, pivotal moment of the season in which this race will literally decide whether or not we see a record breaking world champion or a brand new world champion that kind of, you know, dethrones this, this, you know, reign of dominance that they've had and how, you know, that Lewis and, and Mercedes has had. And it's, it was just, it was too big of a moment. It was too big of a decision for them not to make it in a, in a more timely and, and kind of more convictious manner, you know, where I, I, I know that he said, you know, to, to Toto as he was kind of complaining that, listen, you know, we, we let them go motor racing, which in fact, yes, you did. But I do personally think that you could have let them go motor racing either, you know, a little bit quicker in terms of their decision that you made, or you, you could have just went about it in a, in a different way in which I'm sure that Mercedes wouldn't have been too happy in terms of if they red flagged it. Um, and I, I think it was, you know, a situation in, in which if they did do a, you know, a standing restart that any noise that he heard from Mercedes could have been even easier, uh, you know, pushed off and, and kind of kicked to the side to say, Hey, listen, I gave you guys all an equal shot. I red flagged it. I I'm going to let you guys race it out to the end because, you know, this is now an opportunity that you both have, you know, go win the race kind of thing. Um, but again, it, it just, uh, it seems like he, he can't make, his decisions in a, in a confident manner you know again we we saw it just the weekend before him literally saying well i'm going to offer you this uh, it, it's it's not an offering game when you're the race director um when you're the race director you make the decisions and if a team isn't happy with the decision as we saw with mercedes you know they will appeal it then you'll look at it or you'll deny it and 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 it will be what it is but as long as it follows the rule and you can make that decision in that choice in a timely manner i feel like there really will would there would be no gripe really from not only the fans but from from uh, most of these teams and these uh these racers yeah if you if you just make a decision and stick with it it would be a lot better than making one decision changing your mind and then doing this and then doing that and then like you said in saudi arabia um last week playing deal or no deal with the, with the team principals. I mean, you don't want to be Michael Massey in this situation where you have veteran drivers calling you soft. You have no respect from the teams. You have no respect from the fans or the community. And, you know, I don't think it's going to be long until we see him out of here. I think if it was just a simple and proper um, safety car procedure, lapped cars go. Um, as it states in the regulations, you, it, you, it's not mandatory that you go racing the lap after that. It's mandatory that you go racing the lap that the safety car is in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if it was just followed properly, then there is no gripe and there's definitely not all this controversy. And you kind of hit it on the head earlier when it's the FIA, like, Hey, you have, you're equal in this because you're both reacting as a result of the decision of the FIA to call for a safety car and not a red flag in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it really just came down to a matter of, how do the teams react? Well, yep. Hamilton Mercedes stayed out and Red Bull and Verstappen pit for a new set of softs and it paid off. So it, it's, it's, an, it's an unfortunate way to end the season, but amongst all of the cluster of it, the FIA did follow all of their rules and all the regulations. It was just in the most hideous way imaginable. But, you know, it, it's, I mean, like he said, we went motor racing and we did. Just not in the prettiest fashion, but you know, it is what it is. So, um, 
Connor, do you have anything more on that? We got a fan question that we're going to touch on really quickly before we kind of wrap things up for this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, let's jump right into the fan question here. So our fan question comes from Miguel Montero, and he asks, what could have Mercedes done differently to win? I'll let you start, Connor. Um, I, I think overall, um, I think, again, it's, it's – uh, not necessarily a what could have Mercedes done. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, I'll play a little bit of my answer into it with saying that they could have had a better performance by their second driver, um, for one. Again, I know that it seems like we're uh, we're, we're kind of getting on uh, Bottas a bit for his performance, but I, I you know, I'm a, a massive fan of, of Valtteri, and I, I really was uh, just quite disappointed to see the lack of uh, performance from him uh, during this Grand Prix, I, I really, I really was kind of looking forward to you know as much as I was looking forward to Max and Lewis, I was looking forward to seeing him kind of battle it out with Perez even to 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 you know to to mess with the strategy of the you know the second Red Bull and and really kind of just fend him off and and see what those two could have done because I, I do think that both of them have had you know a phenomenal season but it just it really seemed like he was uh, a non-factor and he, he uh, just had a, a, a monumentously bad uh, last race of the season for uh, uh, a situation in which Mercedes, Mercedes really needed him to be uh, as, as on as possible. But in terms of what Mercedes themselves could have done, uh, I really just, I, I do believe that they under one of those safety cars could have pitted. I think it would have put them in a situation in which they would have been behind, but I, I don't think the gap would have been significant enough for them to really have much panic. Again, with the pace that Lewis was setting, um, I, I think a fresher set of tires, no matter what he would have done, what Lewis Hamilton does and just, you know, went on to, uh, to, to dominate enough to the point where he would have been back in contention to at least, you know, put up a fight and, and, possibly you know be able to chase down uh max if they would have you know switched there but i I think overall they they had that trust in lewis they 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 could have done more in terms of the pits that they were kind of you know free pits that they were almost given in a a way Uh, obviously the second one probably being a a bit harder to decide on uh than the first but uh overall I, i think that they did just about all they could do, but I do think that they could have definitely taken advantage of at least one of the uh, safety cars that they were shown. Yeah, you hit it really well on touching on Bottas not being in the mix because you are at a really, really big disadvantage when you only have one car in the mix compared to two. Um, but I, I also agree. I think if, if at least not for the lap 53 safety car that you pit for a new set of tires at least at the um i forget if it was lap 33 or 32 but the antonio giovanazzi um virtual safety car that's another cheap pit stop that you could have had some fresh tires that you know you would have had more of an advantage at the end because when we look a little closer at the incident with nicholas latifi he was right next to a marshall stand with an escape road right there so it was an ugly incident but we kind of knew that was going to get cleared in time to go racing again. And Mercedes just didn't pull the trigger. They tried to play it safe and say, you know, hopefully we're going to end under the safety car. And when they didn't, 
it was advantage Red Bull because they did pull the trigger. So yeah, and I, and I think just seeing, you know, even just seeing the way that Lewis was able to fight back, even on that final lap when when Max was finally able to pass him, I think it, it really it shows more than anything in that position right there that Lewis on these you know forty four lap old hard tires after getting passed by Max who's on a fresh set of softs. I mean, he, he fought back phenomenally well and, and almost put himself in a position in which he could have overtaken and gotten back in the lead in, in, in one of the few final corners of that race. Um, so it just really goes to show, you know, what could he have done on a bit fresher set of tires? I think it definitely is a, a decision that Mercedes will be somewhat kicking themselves for, for a while uh, in terms of looking back. Because, I, I mean, he, he had, as we know, he had great pace. Um, and he, again, he put up a great fight on very old, hard tires. Um, and, and he just didn't have, a, have enough to get him, you know, that final advantage back over if this happened. Yeah. Mercedes and Hamilton had phenomenal pace in the, in the Grand Prix. Um, it really, when you look at it, not focusing on any FIA decision regarding safety cars and restarts. Um, if you look at it from a, just a totally neutral standpoint it's just as simple as that they should have pit for tires um i think hamilton even knew that as well uh because if if you watch the onboard of lewis hamilton and you listen to that team radio between him and his uh race engineer peter bonnington as soon as he stays out on track and he goes by the pit entry you can immediately just hear him just swearing on the radio and you know saying like no like I, I think he knew that he was in a bit of trouble there. I think um, what could have Mercedes done differently? Um, they had the pace. They had the win. They had the championship. But they didn't have the strategy. And Red Bull did. And Red Bull won this race and championship on on strategy, on gamble. And it paid off. So I think that is uh, my answer to the question, at least, is they could have just gone with a different strategy. They could have taken the risk like Red Bull did and just pit for new tires. But, you know, here we are now, and Verstappen is a champion, so. Absolutely, and and, and well-deserving. You know, it, it, it's not taking, at you know, anything at all away from Verstappen because it, it, it was a, an absolute bit of strategy, and, a, you know, it, it – it was a bit of the race gods rewarding them this time, I think. You know, I, I think it's, again, one of those things where you – you see who crashed in, in the moments that they did. And it was just kind of like, there's no way that the, uh, you know, one of the racers that is fighting for last position essentially is, is, has just gone off track. And again, as we said before, Nicholas Latifi, uh, you know, for those of you out there who are giving him any hate at all, uh, you need to completely, that. completely reevaluate. Uh, <laughs> knock, knock that off. Yeah. Completely reevaluate your, your, uh, your decisions and your behaviors and, what you actually watch uh, Formula One racing for, um, because he is an outstanding talent. He is an F1 driver for a reason, um, and he's been nothing but, you know, great in terms of his talents and what he's done. He did nothing wrong. He was purely racing. If you were in his position, you wouldn't want to be racing for that last spot either. You know, you'd be doing everything possible, especially going against, you know, what what many people believe to be, you know, a, a rookie protege in, in the likes of of Schumacher. Uh, you would try to do, you know, your absolute best to 
you know, fight for that position as well. So it was just an unfortunate racing incident as we've seen hundreds of times before. So uh, definitely a, a, a wild end to what was a historic season. And I, I thought it was absolutely great. This whole season has been ups and downs and just purely some of the best uh, Formula One racing that I think we've seen in a long time. Agreed. Could not agree more, especially on the Latifi. Um, if you are sending him some nasty messages and tweets, you definitely need to reevaluate yourself and why you watch Formula One in the first place. He's a good. He's he is a great talent. He's racing as anybody else would. These things happen, and um, at yeah. the end of the day, he is a human being as are we all. So you know, there's uh, no place for hate. You know, obviously, yes, let it sting as a Mercedes fan, as a Lewis fan. You know, let there be a little bit of, oh, no, Lewis didn't win. But at the end of the day, realize that. Well, you could have gone for new tires. Yeah. You know, at the at the at the end of the day, realize that next season is uh, a new opportunity for, you know, the eighth world title. It's a new opportunity for Mercedes. Um, And as as it always has, it will go on and there will always be another chance for a championship drive. So. Uh, no reason at all for any hate. Let it be, you know, a little bit of a salt on the wounds and let it sting for a little bit. But uh, don't don't let it be cause for any hate towards any other human being. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Um, Connor, I believe that about wraps it up for us tonight. Uh, do you have anything more for us before we hit the outro? I do not. Everybody, I uh, obviously this was definitely a, a longer episode. I appreciate all the support that we get, uh, you know, worldwide. It's been a, a pretty cool experience doing this, and I look forward to uh, continuing it and getting onto some new platforms in terms of, you know, whether we go into some Formula E or whether we go into some World Endurance. Uh, no matter what direction we go, I, I look forward to making some some more episodes and and staying in tune with you guys as much as possible. Yes, as do I. It may be the start of the off-season for Formula One, but it's just the beginning of the busy season for Connor and I. We are going to be covering um, a lot more, for sure, next year. We're looking at um, a multitude of championships, World Endurance, IndyCar, MotoGP. Um, we're going to be doing a lot more coverage, and as, as you are looking forward to it, I am also looking forward to it. Thank you so much to our international audience that has tuned in and really kind of given us a great foothold to get started on on this platform so um you know thank you so much for all the support um i truly yeah just thank you all so much for the support feel free to check us out on twitter at the love of speed um follow us here on spotify as well keep an eye out we are going to be very busy in the next coming months we have a lot to talk about on a lot of different championships it may be the off season but it's just the beginning of the next season so Connor, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Miguel, thank you for the question. To all of our viewers, both in the United States and international, thank you so much for listening on. And we will see you on the next one.